It's Matthew chapter 2, from verse 66. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Thank you, Dave, very much. Let's keep it open. Page 966 of our church Bibles and let's pray together. For we pray that you would help us to understand this rightly. It's, it's horrendous what we've just seen there. Uh, yet we believe this is true. We see that kind of thing in the world today. And we pray you'd help us to see why that's been recorded for us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, Christmas time, it's uh, a time for visiting, isn't it? And uh, I guess most of us have either had visitors or been visitors. We were over in Hampshire yesterday visiting Anna's brothers and uh, families. And uh, my sister's coming down today from Macclesfield with uh, one of her boys and so on. And, uh, and when people uh, come, it's, um, well, at the risk of sounding a bit like Gatwick Airport um, parking, then it tends to be either short stay or long stay, isn't it? And um, Christmas visitors. Well, when you think of Christmas visitors, actually, when we look at the Bible, we think of shepherds and we think of wise men and uh, who could have come apparently even up to perhaps two years after Jesus was born. Uh, and this Christmas, I wonder if you've had any visitors who couldn't make it. Uh, well, we've had that, but uh, um, and there are lots of reasons why those things may happen. Perhaps uh, uh, people are ill or maybe they got lost or uh, uh, something unexpected cropped up. Um, but then this very first Christmas, there was also a visitor who didn't make it. His name was Herod. And he said back in uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, he said, uh, he said this, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. Liar. That's not what he was thinking at all. He wanted to go and, uh, and get rid of this little baby. And thankfully, the wise men had a dream in chapter 2 and verse 12. Having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And Herod never made it, despite the fact that Bethlehem was actually it's only about six miles from Jerusalem, just down the road. But above all, there is one visitor who arrived at Christmas time who's the most important 
of all. And of course, God was the Christmas visitor and a long-stay visitor, a 33-year stay visitor or thereabouts. And I love Jesus' title in verse 23 here, where he's called, uh, he's announced in, in chapter 1, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God visiting. Way back in the, the days of the Apollo missions, uh, James Irwin was one of those astronauts. He was on Apollo 15, two after uh, the disastrous one, four after the, the one that landed first on the moon. And, uh, and he came back and he said this, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the moon, but rather that God in Christ stood on this earth. Emmanuel. God was the Christmas visitor. And as we turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verses 12 to 18, we see uh, vividly the kind of world that Emmanuel, the Christmas visitor, came to. And it is a world in a mess. Even if you look back in the news just uh, the last few weeks, what about those London Bridge attacks and a very different, a very different Christmas uh, for the families there of Jack Merritt and Saskia Jones? What a hideous Christmas they must have had. And what about the family of this young lad, 12-year-old Harley Mason, murdered as he walked out from his school gates, run down in what seems to be a deliberate uh, um, taking of his life. And the mess of our world, ultimately, is caused by human beings turning their backs on God and walking away. Our world is dysfunctional. It stems from a dysfunctional relationship that we have uh, with God, or a non-existent relationship that we have with God. And it affects, you know, every part of our world. It affects our, uh, our creation. Our world, our weather, it affects our relationships with each other, it affects our health, it affects our society, it affects our politics, you name it, everyone, everything, everywhere is stained, spoiled by our human beings' rebellion against our God. And God shares the mess doesn't share the rebellion, which has caused it, never shared in the corrupt will and the corrupt, corrupt actions of mankind, but he shared life here. He came. He stayed. He was Emmanuel, the Christmas visitor, and he lived a perfect life, the only perfect life. Well, Emmanuel came to a world in a mess, and three things to say about our world in a mess. Uh, Emmanuel came, and the first thing is to say this, it is the fact that God shares the mess. A few words about Herod. Look at verse 13 here. When they'd gone, that's the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for a child to kill him. Herod was the first man to hate Christmas. And he tried to stamp it out. 
And plenty of people have tried to stamp out Christmas celebrations, haven't they? In, in, the, in the Puritan age, for instance, people were, were saying, well, we don't, want to, we don't want to indulge in too much of the celebration stuff, sort of, for instance. And uh, that's why Oliver Cromwell said, no, we don't want to get fat over Christmas and then mince pies, thank you, or Christmas pudding for anyone. And uh, uh, but Herod tried to stamp out not just the Christmas celebrations, but Christmas itself. One of the commentators has said, the cruelty of Herod had become proverbial even in Rome. He had his own wife executed. He had his mother-in-law executed. He had his father-in-law executed. He had his uncle executed. There was a, he had a young brother-in-law who was getting a bit too popular, and he met with a rather unfortunate drowning accident in about six inches of water. And then when he realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, you see here in verse uh, 16, Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem as vicinity who were under two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. That's sickening, isn't it? And Bethlehem is not a very big place. So we reckon even with the vicinity, perhaps there were 20, 25 male toddlers who were massacred. When and I've got a grandson. He's ten weeks old. He'd have been slaughtered with the rest of them if we'd lived then and there. But Jesus escapes, only to become a, a helpless refugee in Egypt. But he escapes. He maybe spent a year in Egypt, perhaps it was a bit longer, could have been up to seven years, we don't quite know really, until Herod died. And Jesus and his family were refugees. The saviour of the world was a refugee baby. I mean, the number of refugees in the world is staggering. Even just for this country, the first quarter of 2019, there were 8,922 applications for asylum in the UK. Nearly 9,000. And that's just here. And that's just in a quarter of the year. And that was a 26% increase of over 2018. And which countries they come from? Iran, Iraq, Albania are the top three. But also, you look at the main kind of sending countries, if that's the right way, Eritrea, Pakistan, Sudan, India, Vietnam, Bangladesh, and Afghanistan. And which country helps most refugees? It's Turkey. 3.7 million at the end of last year. And this year... Uh, in the BH Christmas Appeal. It's still open, by the way. We're giving to Off the Fence and uh, we're giving to support the persecuted church, uh, persecuted Christians in Syria. And how many Syrian refugees are there in the world? Well, the UNHCR at the end of 2018 said there were 6.7 million refugees from Syria in the world. And currently... 4.6 million of them are being hosted by Turkey and Lebanon. So many of them in those desperate refugee camps. Huge problem. Do pray and support refugees. But it's not a new problem. 
because Jesus and his family were refugees. And for many, if they're not refugees, there is fear. Jesus and his family lived in fear. It wasn't in our reading, but if you just go on to verse 22, here it is. When he heard Joseph, that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was probably even worse. He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. That's why Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, that's why he grew up there, out of fear. Pretty rough early days for Emmanuel. We see here, Jesus identifies with the suffering and exile of his people. So Jesus was exiled to Egypt way back in Joseph's time. God's family were exiled to Egypt to save their lives from the famine. Jesus came back out of Egypt. God's people under Moses came back out of Egypt. Jesus' family knew danger and fear and they fled in the middle of the night and became homeless, probably penniless refugees. God shares the mess. He knows what it's like. As the early church father Augustine wrote, the maker of man became a man that he, ruler of the stars, might be nourished at the breast. That he, the bread, might be hungry. That he, the fountain, might thirst that he the light might sleep, that he the way might be wearied by the journey, that he the truth might be accused by false witnesses, that he the judge of the living and the dead might be brought to trial by a mortal judge. That he justice might be condemned by the unjust. That he discipline might be scourged with whips. That he, the foundation, might be suspended upon a cross. That courage, with a capital C, might be weakened. That security might be wounded. That life might die. Well, if Jesus died for us, then we need the second point, and that is this. God overrules the mess. Uh, the Magi have left. Joseph has had a dream, and uh, his dream uh, says, get up and go, basically, now, now. And uh, then he has another one. Um, uh, So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And then he has another one in verse 18, telling him to return to Israel. And it's scary. King Herod wants to kill your baby. Get out. Get down to Egypt. Go now. No, not in the morning. Go now. And then in verse 14, he got up and took the child and left for Egypt. Now, if you're Joseph and Mary, that's pretty scary. 
You would have been watching your back. You'd be constantly turning around, just in making sure that you weren't being followed that night, and probably for the next few days at least. Now, of course, God is overruling in the mess. He's protecting this family. God knew all along that this was going to happen. And here there are these two prophecies, verse 15, and uh, also in verse 18, and uh, so in verse 15. And so it's fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea 11 and verse 1. God overruling the mess and protecting the family. And what a mess it is. So we see God's good hand, actually. We see God's control. There was still a massacre in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And we see uh, uh, in verse 18, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. Do you remember Dunblane? That was my 40th birthday. I remember my mum and dad came up, we went out to a pub and I first heard it in, in the, on the radio just uh, behind the bar in the pub as we were ordering drinks. I wonder what on earth was going on. Andy Murray, the tennis player, Andy Murray, hid in the headmaster's study that day. If we had lived in Dunblane, Chris, our five-year-old son at that point, would have been in there. He would have been in that gym in the class that got gunned down by Thomas Hamilton. And I remember the faces of the whole town the next morning as we saw it on the news. And you see at the end of verse 18 there, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. It confronts us, doesn't it? Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago. Why did God save one family and not the rest? Serious questions and difficult to find adequate answers and very easy to say something rather trivial. There are, though, helpful things we can say. There is evil in this world. And we do know why. And even here, in the pain and the anguish of Bethlehem, we can see a bigger picture. And we'll see that in just a minute. But never underestimate the pain of losing a child. And those, what, 20 30 families in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. Absolutely hideous. God shares the mess. God overrules the mess. And third, God saves from the mess. Someone has written, the, uh, the injustice of a world run by rebels against God can't thwart his ultimate purposes for justice in the world. So the big picture helps, little bits. The big picture is that God saves from the mess, that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, comes to share the mess with us and saves people up out of the mess. And we want to put our faith in him, the one who saved us from the mess. There's an old legend. A man fell into quicksand and he started to sink. And on his way down, Confucius passed by. 
And he said, there is evidence that men should stay out of such places. But the man was still sinking. Buddha walked by. Let that man be a lesson to the world, he said. And then a Hindu. He said, well, never mind. You will return to earth with a better life if you've lived a good life here first. And then a Muslim. This is the will of Allah. But the man was still sinking. And Jesus walked by and stopped and he reached out his hands and he said, here, I'll pull you out. Now, all those are gross oversimplifications of the great world religions, including the last one, which isn't true at all. Because Jesus didn't reach out his hands, he jumped in. And he somehow managed to save the man and in the process went under himself. Jesus, Emmanuel, saves from the mess and he does that by giving his own life just at the moment as they flee to Egypt his life needs to be preserved so that he can lay it down for us just at the moment as they flee to Egypt the Lord is making sure that actually in 33 years time or thereabouts that Jesus will be able to voluntarily deliberately lay down his life on the Roman cross that we may be saved from the mess we have created. That's the big picture here. Jesus needs to be protected. He needed to be preserved so he could protect and preserve us from the mess of our own making. So this Christmas time, we remember Emmanuel, God with us. We remember that God shared the mess, that God overrules the mess, and that God saves us from the mess. That's the bigger picture of Christmas. And it is wonderful news. It is the wonderful news of Christmas that that is exactly what God has done. And we rejoice in it this Christmas time. Let me lead us in a prayer and then Eloise is going to come and continue to lead us in prayer. Father, what a world. And yet, thank you that Christmas time we celebrate that you have come. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to appreciate this big picture. We know we can't answer all the, all the questions, and especially when horrible, horrible things happen. Um, we, we know there is a bigger picture, but uh, it is desperately painful. And Lord, we pray that as we rejoice in Christmas, we would also rejoice in this bigger picture of you coming to share this world, to be here, to live amongst us, and to die for us, so that we may have that wonderful future hope that we all look forward to. Lord, 
Thank you for Christmas. Amen.